To the untrained eye, real estate is the business of shelter, of comfort, of home. But industry insiders know that just behind the curtain resides a world teeming with innovation and disruption and sometimes brutal competition. And there, in the midst of it all, stand our industry leaders, the folks with the answers to our million-dollar questions in real estate. We've got one of those leaders here for you today. I'm Jessica Edgerton. And I'm Tarko Heidinga from leading real estate companies of the world. Let's pull back the curtain. Welcome to Million Dollar Question. This is a Soulfire production. Pat Riley is the president and CEO of Allen Tate Companies, an independent real estate company headquartered in Charlotte, North Carolina, and spanning the Carolinas with a full-service real estate suite in over 40 offices and with over 1,500 agents and employees. Pat was a founding member of leading real estate companies of the world. He's also a board member and a well-known visionary and leader both within the network and well beyond. In his 30 years with Alan Tate, Pat has overseen the acquisition of more than 30 family-owned real estate companies. So as not to steal my own show's thunder, I won't go into detail on Pat's M&A record other than to say the growth of the company under Pat's leadership has been very successful. More on this in a minute. Pat's approach to leadership is founded on a passion for independence, a tireless pursuit of excellence, and a belief in the power of human connections, both local and global. He's a man deeply well-loved by his friends, his staff, his family, his agents, and you're about to find out why I have him here for you today. Let's pull back the curtain on today's episode of Million Dollar Question. Hi, Pat. Hi, Jessica. How are you today? I am great. It is so good to see you virtually. So, Pat, let's start out here talking about Alan Tate, talking about your leadership, you guys have been on such an incredible growth trajectory, always, but in particular recently, um, you acquired Beverly Hanks, which is a world-class brokerage firm, also part of the Leading Array family. Talk a little bit about your growth and your philosophy when it comes to um, joining other businesses into your family. Alan Tate... Uh, we have been an original founder of leading real estate companies of the world. And I joined Alan 30 years of our 65-year history, 64-year history. I joined him 30 years ago. And I joined him because he was inspirational, motivational. He was a risk taker. And he was fiercely, fiercely, fiercely independent. And he was on the planning commission in Charlotte, North Carolina. When I came down here, he had three branches. And he said, Riley. He coined the phrase, the journey will never end. He said, uh, everybody is competitive in one little area of the Charlotte region. He said, uh, I'm going to grow with Charlotte. He was on the planning commission. So he knew where the future roads and access was going to be. And he said, we're going to step out and we're going to go to the burbs and we're going to grow. And that growth, that independent growth, especially in the Carolinas, uh, we both really, really, really want to be the independent voice of the Carolinas, of the Carolinas. So we've identified markets that we'd love to be in someday. And uh, the journey will never end coined. Growing leading real estate companies of the world was an underpinning 
to make sure that there was a place for the independent broker. And in that place, it would be a secure place where we can exchange. We can together fund things that we probably couldn't do on our own competition-wide to provide the tools for both our realtors and also for our clients out there in the marketplace. So where we got the energy of joining forces was leading RE. And then uh, in our markets, we identified and said, you know what, who is independent out there that is a culture, family culture that could that, that, that could take us putting a little bit of gasoline on the fire that they have already created in that marketplace. And that's just led to one after another after another. Uh, today, I think we total 40 in the last 18 years, family-owned companies that we have nurtured together, joined forces together, put icing on the cake that they already baked. And uh, uh, the proud thing is that the proud thing is no defection. If they're still living, they're still with us. We have zero defection because we spent lots and lots of time, lots of energy, sometimes years in determining, is it a cultural match? Uh, so so our, let me get this straight. I, I just need to, I just need to interrupt for a second because of that statistic. So you're saying 39 transactions, zero yes. failures. That, that, that doesn't happen unless you're doing something almost magical. Well, that's, it's a courtship. Uh, one I won't name recently. Uh, it, it was three years. They wanted to do it three years ago. And I said, you're not ready. You have to do this, this, and this. The one we just announced, Neil Hanks, my little brother, another mother, Neil, uh, it's been a 15 year dance. See, what we do is we say, look, uh, I'll share anything. You'll share anything with me. We'll share anything to better ourselves. And the only obligation I would have with that, nothing in writing, is if you ever don't have a succession plan, if you ever think of doing something, joining a franchise, entertaining an idea of a franchise, or joining someone else, that you please Talk to us first. That's all we ask. And in the meantime, we'll share everything. Neil Hanks, he knows we wanted to come to, to the Asheville region. We share everything the last 15 years. We're both better companies because of his sharing, their sharing with us, and us sharing back and forth. And then ultimately, after 15 years, Neil said, you know what? We're better together. We're stronger together. I do. I do have a runway. I do want to work for many more years. So I'm not going anywhere. But you know what? I like idea of capital, energy, technology, better products for our realtors and for our clients. It's time. So that was a 15-year dance. And all of them, we don't go into a market and march over somebody. Never, 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 never. We don't. Not one of our leading real estate companies of the world, independent friends. We don't. We don't. Uh, so here's something that you said. I, I, that Just leading from there, though, you, you mentioned something. You said Mr. Tate's philosophy when he, when he started the company was, I'm going to grow with Charlotte, not into, not through, not with. And 
looking at the way not only you approach M&A, but also that you approach your growth with the community, your ties into the community and within the company, which I want to get to in a second, because finagling culture, especially as you grow both organically and in terms of acquisition is tricky. And I have seen you, Pat, in front of rooms full of people, your folks, and the family feel that happens um, when you are with your staff, with your agents, is very unique. So talk a little bit about that sort of growing with the community and how that also relates back into your internal operation. Well, as a realtor, I do believe that uh... And we had to close offices during the Great Recession and leave certain communities. And to me, that's worse than the Chamber of Commerce closing. When the realtor leaves a community, that's worse than the Chamber of Commerce leaving the community. Uh, I believe I believe firmly when I talk about grow with the community is that uh, we're in the South and, and all of our communities are growing amazingly. We have to pick and choose where. But uh, giving back to the communities we serve and not be takers, realtors and developers and builders are labeled many times as takers and not givers. And uh, from being active in the community on boards, I think I've served everything in the community of Charlotte except for United Way and arts and, and, and public education and the sciences. And I, I've, I really believe that our leadership team has to give back in order to take. And when you talk about that philosophy of family, 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 everybody that we have brought together is family. And I make sure in that courtship that if they're not family, if I don't feel family on their side, uh, no matter how family we are, it's not going to work. So when I talk about family, making a big company look small, Every day, big company looks small. We had all of our, we had all of our non-realtors together today. Some on Zoom, some in room, and there was tears, there was cries, there was, there was folks that just said, "You know what? I have a family here, and that's why I'm here twenty years and twenty-five years, and." That's why I'm here one year. I'm here six months with Beverly Hanks, and I feel it. I felt it from the time you guys walked in that room and Neil stood up there and teared and said why he did what he did. Uh, people can read. They watch you as a leader. They watch you and they read you. And sincerity and empathy and and treating everybody, everybody. The carpenter right now that's updating my office down there to the to the person that's parking cars, everybody has a part and a role to play and needs to be respected for their contribution. When you're tearing down, so again, I said, I've seen you in front of a room. I haven't just seen you in front of a room. I've seen your sales managers and your other leadership in front of rooms. And there is a similar um, cultural approach to handling large groups of people, which absolutely does feel family. But when you're dealing with a, a company of your magnitude, there's got to be some sort of nuts and bolts and logistics behind the scenes when it comes to how do you course that message and course that leadership training through a large swath of the geography, let alone a huge headcount? Well, first of all, most of us grew up in the business. It's the only business we knew. We're all, our daddies and moms were 
we're uh, we're brokers. So the family feel everybody wants all the tools, they want all of the energy, they want all the capital, they want all of the, but they don't want to lose that family feel. The real estate community, the real estate community, home ownership is the largest possession people own on this earth. We're underrated. We're underrated for handling the wealth of the majority of America is in their home. And uh, we take that seriously here to say to our people, and I don't care what part of the family of companies, mortgage insurance, title, relocation, we speak it, live it to say we are a home ownership family. We, our why is to make a difference in people's lives. We, in the lives of our realtors and our team, our staff, and to our staff and to our realtors, our why is to make a difference in the lives of the people that we care for, our clients, with the biggest possession they have on this earth. So we live that, breathe that. We have 78 leaders in all walks of home ownership from mortgage to title insurance. We quarterly, we quarterly and even more, uh, we work on how do we raise our leadership skill set. We have red penguins everywhere in our company. That's to remind every one of us when we walk out the door, the world thinks realtors are all the same. I list my house, $800,000 house with somebody who sings in choir with me with a pretty voice. That's a shame. The onus is on us. The onus is on us uh, as a, as a trade. I visited, I'm visiting open houses now. The last couple of weekends I visited open houses. It's deplorable. It is deplorable what the public sees as a realtor in presentation, in knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. So that red penguin is a reminder when every one of our staff or realtors walks, talks to one of our clients out there that it's on us to stand out like that red penguin. Whether I'm coming to an open house and I'm visiting five open houses, our realtor has to be that red penguin out there. And as we move into whatever we're going to call it, economic downturn, economic normalization, the, the news, of course, uses much more bombastic terms, which I disagree with. Um, we, though, are entering a period where a lot's changing, including in our vertical. And consumers, I think more than ever, really need to understand what is going on. So first of all, Pat, what is going on? I always love hearing your perspective on sort of the big picture on the economy. We've got, you know, the Fed's doing even bigger things than we thought they were over the last couple of months. Um, Probably going to see some cooling there. Mortgage rates were through the roof in June, starting to come down. Inventory, I mean, people were literally lining up for blocks over the last 24 months. Industry starting to soften back up. So what, what does all of that mean? Tell me about what you think for the next 12 months. And from a buyer and seller perspective right now, what should they be thinking about? And what is the role of us, of you, of your team during this kind of uh, a roller coaster ride? Well, it starts with our leadership, because as you said, the media sensationalizes. Uh, We're blessed a little bit in the South in that uh, the extremes of what is being felt out there uh, is is obvious. Uh, We're in an in-migration uh, part of the country, so uh, everything, everything blessed with us is is not as, as as drastic. But the reality is, I said I grew up as a I grew up as a young person before I got into uh, as I was going to school. I was a paramedic and a fire 
a firefighter. And uh, we were always trained. We're always trained. We're always trained for the inevitable. And uh, we were ready, even if that incident never happened. Uh, I, I say to my folks today, uh, uh, control the controllables is the first thing that we all have to, as leaders, what am I in control of and what am I not in control of? And the world thinks that we need to have answers. And we should have answers if it's in our field. The challenge is, as that paramedic pulling up to a scene of a, a multi-car incident, uh, today we don't have answers. Nobody. I've been at this business 50 years. I don't have an answer. I'm on a Fed call every quarter. Pat, what rate will slow housing down but not put the brakes? Pat, what? And I'm talking about all these Fed people that are Hundreds. much more knowledgeable than me in <laughs> finance in the world. And they said, uh, you know, uh, I said, I don't know. Here's why. 64% of Americans have interest rates, mortgages under four, and 42% have under three. It's called interest rate lock. I'm going to guess to me, since World War II, the average is seven. So to me, I think seven will be that point. It's already. It's already a major factor for the first home. But to affect across the board, I would guess seven. But I don't know because every time, every time someone leaves a two and three eighths and two and seven eighths, it's going to be a decision. I have someone moving from Charlotte to Syracuse. He asked me to have breakfast the other day. I said, you don't want to talk to me. I haven't sold a house in 1979. He says, here's my dilemma. I'm moving up. I have my third child. I'm moving back to Syracuse. But I have a house here in Charlotte that's appreciating 16 17% a year. My interest rate is two and three eighths. I think I should rent that out and move up and rent in Syracuse as a financial decision. So interest rates, one thing. Are we going to have a recession? I personally don't believe we're going to have a recession during midterms, politics and whatever. I think no sitting uh, 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 thing is going to happen with the recession before elections. I don't think that's going to happen. And then when it comes to all these investor-owned real estate investor-owned real estate, every market we're in. It's just the biggest homeowners association issue. Uh, the reality, though, is let's just talk about it. With money so cheap around the world, money so cheap, uh, appreciation rates so high compared to the World War II average of three, yeah. rents reflecting that. Why shouldn't a human being invest in real estate when the stock market's up there bouncing all over the top. Every one of us, everyone should be. So that's well, because not, the news headlines are telling us to be scared, right? Right. <laughs> we should be investing in real estate. We shouldn't. I mean, yes, nobody wants it next to me, but the reality is if we have money, we should be diversifying. The next one is the biggest one is the first homeowners. Yep. And I tell every realtor, every renter needs us to go out and counsel them, not only to set a budget, not only to get into rate locks, but maybe to talk to mom and dad and Uncle Iggy, because guess what? There's a lot, $25 trillion worth of change money from the boomers down in the next 10 years. Maybe we should be co-signing mortgages now. Maybe we should be diversing some of that assets now to these young folks to get on the homeownership bandwagon. And we as realtors maybe need to do those talks for our buyers. When you talk about locked in, you know, if you look at the, you said 7% is the is the average over the years. We're talking about if, if we're going to come down to, I don't know, 4 even 5% and sort of stay there for a while, 
we're not talking about a massive amount of the population. And here's the next thing I want you to talk about, because the guy who you sat down with was moving. We saw little stagnation in this crazy migration um, at the beginning of the year, but I think it was probably, you know, in part because people saw this spike in, in June. Now they're like, oh, wait a minute, things are coming down and I can move anywhere I want. It's a new era. There's so much movement happening again. So talk a little bit about what you're seeing from, from migration, a migration standpoint. Well, the migration we've had during and from COVID has typically been families following families, grandparents following kids and grandkids. It's more familial. And it's uh, people who said, uh, uh, you know what, I'm tired of congestion, I'm tired of taxes, and this is my chance, and I'm going. Uh, it was not corporate relocation. Uh, I'm interviewing right now for an HR position, and quite frankly, of the 10 uh, resumes that we've narrowed down to, six want to relocate here from other parts of the country. So uh, that's what we're enjoying now. However, corporate relocation, I speak now, I just spoke to my eighth economic development county, never in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and uh, Tennessee have there been so many companies uh, looking to right size and relocate. They know now who they need to come back to work who don't want to, and they know now what they need and where to go, and they too want to go where there's tax benefits, quality of life, easier, higher workforce, and a workforce that wants to do what they need them to do. So instead of coming down here and doing 50,000 square feet, they're coming down here and doing 20,000 square feet. But they're coming, and they're going to leave workers behind. But corporate relocations are going to crank up. So uh, despite the headlines that we keep seeing with, is this a recession? Are we entering? Or how long have we been hearing that? We're really starting to see now normalization, not crash. Maybe I mean, if I'm being a little too rainbows and unicorns, forgive me. Um, but But from a buyer perspective in particular, this seems to me, like a good time to really be getting out there. Am I crazy? No, it is a good time to be out there. Uh, bottom line is uh, sellers, uh, their homes are not depreciating. Homes only depreciated one time in history, and that was the Great Recession. So homes, yes, in different parts of the country, uh, with our partner, Hannah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, appreciation rate for our 20,000 houses last year was 13.3 with our 60 offices. And I said this year was going to be 10, 13.3 uh, last year. So far this year, it's 15.5. So so bottom line is in an in-migration state, our supply demand issue is not going to correct itself here. We're not building our way out of it. Other parts of the country, that appreciation rate is going to start getting back down to that three, three and a half that we used to have since World War II. Now, how fast it's going to go down to the three and a half depends what part of the country you're in, but it's not depreciating. So, so interest rates still affordable, deductible. Appreciation rates may not. So what we're telling people today is do not put your house on the market at what your neighbor did and got six months ago. Put it on what we tell you and let the market drive it up. But in a market we're in today, it is not a market today where price reductions are accepted because people assume something's wrong. So the analogy we use is we were going 100 miles an hour, and now we're going 50, and media in the world will think that that 50 means that we're crashing and we're overpaying and it's a bubble market and 
no, it's let's let's just calm down. It's just normalizing. The last two years have been abnormal. We're just sliding back to normal, which may be 90 days on the market. We may have to slip from from uh, uh, the any kind of exception that we're going to have 10 offers on by Sunday morning on a house that's listed Friday. Yep. All right. So let's talk, Hannah, because we'd focused at the beginning on some of the some of the partnerships and the acquisitions you've made. A few years ago, there was a coming together of giants um, within two leading area companies that was pretty amazing to watch. Talk a little bit about that and talk about how that's influenced your business uh, since that since that partnership happened. Well, sitting at the table with the leading real estate companies of the world, board of directors, we had two major companies, two major independents uh, uh, make a decision that uh, uh, that absolutely uh, shook the world as far as the independent. I have been advocating, and Alan, who we lost eight years ago, uh, have been advocating for years that let's look at each other. Let's let's talk to each other. If there's not a succession plan, if there's not a succession plan, let's talk to each other before we talk to Wall Street or to the world out there. And I stood up there that day, and I did stand up at that board meeting, and I said, look, guys, uh, we lost two giants. Let's talk to each other. And at that time, uh, Hobie Hanna went home and talked to his dad, who's my vintage, and uh, said, you know what? Have we ever thought of doing a joint venture? Because Alan Tate passed. I've been running the company for the family. I've been alone. And I, following Alan's world dream of the journey will never end to be the number one independent company in the Carolinas, and Hannah being the one to be the number one independent company in the country, uh, let's talk a joint venture because the Tate family and, and myself, we do have a runway. We do have a succession plan. We do have a leadership team for tomorrow. And uh, so we crafted a joint venture uh, uh, where we are still part of the game. Uh, I, we have capital now to grow and carry on Alan's dream uh, together, stronger together, best minds, best tools, uh, best technology. Uh, it's just been a marriage made in heaven, and it's allowed us to do the Beverly Hanks. Pat Riley and Alan Tate family could not have done, uh, even though we've done 38, we could not have done uh, Beverly Hanks based on size and scope. So it's been a dream come true, and it's also a, a message to independence that let's talk to each other. It may not be in the Hannah Tate footprint north to south, but somewhere in America, independents need to talk to other independents because uh, it is a class by itself uh, that we need to sustain and continue to flourish. Pat, as we move into normalization, you've got business leaders listening right now. Some are on the smaller side. What advice do you have for folks who are sort of looking out with a little trepidation right now at a bunch of uncertainty from a leadership perspective? Well, there was the, I talked about a couple of the accidents out there that we don't have answers for, but we do have a reason we don't have the answers. So, so when, when someone, uh, when the, the last, one of the other accidents is boomers. Boomers hold, boomers hold the inventory that we need because the builders have not been able to produce what we need. Boomers hold it. 
They used to downsize at 64. They now downsize at 74. And many times it's too late. They haven't updated their house the last 10 years. They have not taken care of themselves enough to get in some of these facilities that you need to go in healthy. Some of them are just too expensive and there's not enough of them. So boomers, renters need us to, to counsel. Boomers need us to do boomer physicals, not when they're 70, 71, 74, when they're 72. I tell my realtors, you need to walk down the street and any home that you look and says that needs love, that needs love, that needs love from the curb, it needs you. You need to help them get ready to be ready. So when I talk about that paramedic pulling up to a scene, all of these things out there, recession, interest rates, bubble, appreciation rates, boomers, first-time homebuyers, investors, we have never been. Or building a new house without a realtor, holding your hand, crazy. So we have never been so needed, but we have to be out there as a leader, as a leader, calm. This is nothing. We've been through, I've been through five recessions, interest rates at 18. If we do have a recession, it probably won't be the day after elections. It probably won't be before. It'll probably be the day after the elections. And it probably won't be 18 months. Okay? It's just enough to break, the, 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 put the brakes on. So calm. If we don't have the answers, we have to tell them why. And we have to lead them to what actions they need to take different than they did last year and the year before. The last two years are an anomaly. So bottom line is we got away from marketing a home. We were earning our fee for transactional support, getting to the end zone, weaving through due diligence. Now we got to get back to staging, marketing, exposure. And, and they look to us to say, you know what? Believe it or not, after 50 years, guess what I'm doing at sales meetings right now? Open house techniques. Yep. Open house techniques. Who needs an open house to sell a house? They sell themselves. No. The open house is needed today more than ever. Yes, to expose it, but really to flush out all of those other homeowners that are suffering from the media paralysis of the analysis. So we have to be like that pig in truffles. I tell my agents today, you got to go find what people want. You can't wait for it to come up. you got to find what people want. Oh, I'm not knocking doors. Okay, then direct mail, quantum digital. Bottom line is door hangers. I don't know what it is, but you can't wait. you got to go get it and find it. <laughs> Sales managers have to start teaching agents who came online in the last two years what a price reduction means. Like a price what? What's that? It's a totally well, I'm teaching them not world. to do price reductions. I'm teaching them to start at the realistic price and the market will drive it up if it drives it up. But a price reduction today in the stigma of the world out there today, something's wrong with the house to realtors and clients. So you don't want to put it on high and reduce. You want to start low and let the market set the price uh, out there. When we talk this about- This is why everybody needs a real estate agent for these transactions. This- <laughs> That's, this is why. This is why. This is why. One more question. It's the one I always end with, and I am so excited to hear, hear yours, Pat. Over the years, in your time as a leader, what advice do you come back to that maybe you were given in your early days over and over again and that you find passing on to new leaders? I was blessed with a uh, 
a realtor father who was the most optimistic man in the world and blessed with my mother who was uh, German, stubborn, and uh, pessimist. So I'm a, cross, I'm a cross between a blind-eyed optimist, cheerleader, uh, and a realist. So I guess as my leadership style, uh, I guess it's a hybrid of both of those personalities. Uh, but I believe, I believe in gratitude, gratitude, gratitude every day. Realize the importance of your work. Realize the importance of your work. And that means whatever role you play in this organization, in this family of companies, know how important you are in the puzzle. Know how important uh, we are in the food chain out there in the world because we're dealing with people's largest assets on this earth. And if we can convey to our team that this is important as a doctor saving a life or this is important as, as some financial advisor managing a portfolio, we, we single-handedly are dealing with people's largest investments on this earth. And if everybody on our team, from the person who's getting a claim call for a car accident today in our Tate Insurance with our 25,000 insurance policyholders, empathy, empathy, passion, walking in someone else's moccasins. Uh, that's my style. Uh, I'm not going to ask them to do anything that I won't do myself. As a good leader, you have to look in the mirror and see if anybody's following you. And you have to give everybody else the credit. And you can't worry about credit for yourself, period. Don't look for it. Don't yearn for it. Get your attaboys. Get your attaboys as a leader from seeing your team succeed and flourish. Pat, speaking of gratitude, I am always so deeply grateful for conversations with you, and I am so grateful for the time that you gave me and our listeners today with your wisdom. Um, thank you. Thank you for thank you for the invitation. Oh, anytime, and I get to see you in a month. It's going to be fabulous. First time over the ocean in a long, long time for me, so I'm looking forward to it. Likewise, Pat. Appreciate you. Talk to you real soon. Take care. Thank you.